Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov stuck out here on the East Coast, stuck out West, awaiting child number four is Adam Stenko. Coming up on Thursday, going ISO edition, where we go the long-form interview with anybody and everybody who's touched the NBA. It's 17-year NBA forward, the 1989 Sixth Man of the Year, the Phoenix Suns TV analyst and co-host of the most popular program on SiriusXM NBA Radio. That's the NBA Today. Eddie Johnson will join us on Thursday. Adam, before we get to what's going on with us personally, our first two segments today, we wanted to get into a guy we hit on and a guy we missed on. It's pretty easy to say, oh, I knew LeBron James would be good. So how about a guy that you hit on that wasn't a top 10 pick? Mm -hmm. Or maybe a guy that you thought was going to be really good that didn't turn out to be great. And it didn't have to be just in the draft. Maybe it was after a year or two in the league and you're still holding on hope. So I want to lead with you with the guy that you missed on. Well, uh, this guy was a phenom at the college level. Must see TV every single night, and I'm referring to Jimmer Fredette. And I first uh, had heard about Jimmer I think it was his the beginning of his sophomore year. He was really starting to impress. I have a buddy who's who follows BYU basketball really closely, and he's telling me about this kid from Glens Falls who who could really shoot it, but also was very strong. He was a strong guard, could shoot, had great scoring ability, great feel for the game, good passer. Really liked everything about him. So I started watching then, and he really came on strong. And so. Sophomore, he averages 16 a game, starts every, well, almost every game for BYU. His junior year goes off. He's averaging 22 a game. He's making an impression in the tournament. And then when senior year hit and he's putting up over 20 shots a game, I mean, no, we all recall his his three-point percentage actually went down that year, but he was a monster, nearly 29 points a game. And the thing that I liked about Jimmer was he had a handle. He, like I said, really good feel for the game, great vision. So if you sent double teams to him, forget it. He's going to find the open man. But also, he's shooting from 30 feet out, and so he stretched defenses out. And so the game would be easier for his teammates. And in a weird way, it was it was almost like what we saw happen with the Warriors and with the changing of some of the perimeter players in the NBA Dame Lillard has done this now. Obviously, Steph has done it, where the range has been extended so greatly that now all of a sudden defenses are are stretched thin and there's more spacing on the floor. And I saw that at BYU with Jimmer Fredette and thought, this is going to translate. There is no question in my mind that this is going to translate. And so I don't think I was alone in that thinking. He was a top 10 pick. Um, but obviously... Jimmer has just never been able to to figure it out. Partly, there have been questions about his his uh, defensive footwork. It's never been about the work ethic, never been about the attitude. It's just was never the right fit, didn't really get a lot of playing time, didn't get great opportunity year one in Sacramento, and it's just been downhill ever since. Yeah, and I think there was a lot going into the draft about what would he be able to create his own? Because a lot at, at BYU, he was able to create his own shot a bunch, but without any sort it's not like the questions I was going back and thinking about Darren Williams it wasn't like you know Darren Williams could always 
find his, but you saw the athleticism, at least even though he wasn't so quick in college. Mm-hmm. But Jimmer Fredette wasn't quick, not great footwork, and couldn't the couldn't translate the getting your own shot like he could in college to the NBA because then it also have to be dribbling the basketball and trying to finish at the rim and certain things that that he couldn't do. And and I'd heard secondhand things about the work ethic, but it was more about, as you said, it was more about the defense that he couldn't guard anybody. If you can't guard anybody and you can't fill it up the way he did in college, you couldn't do that in the pros, then you're not going to have a spot. The guy that I had was Stanley Johnson. And it was more after Stanley Johnson's rookie year in the league. I liked the way he played defense, even though he trash talked LeBron, which not smart. I'll read you those quotes in a moment. But he was never a, he was a, always a crazy specimen. So I was looking up in, in high school. He's one of the best high school players ever out of, the, out of the state of California. And in 2014, he was the number three recruit in the country behind Jaleel Okafor and Emmanuel Moutier were one, two. Now I know these names are going to sound familiar to you. Cliff Alexander could be one of the all time. What happened to Cliff Alexander was a monster. Then number five was Carl Anthony Towns. Number six was Miles Turner. Number mm. seven was Kelly Oubre. Number eight was Tyus Jones. Number <laughs> nine was Justin Jackson. Rashad Baum was 10, <laughs> 11, Kevon Looney, 12, Trey Lyles, 13, Justice Winslow. D'Angelo Russell was 16. Devin Booker was 22. Grayson Allen was 26. And those were in the 2014 high school class. So so Stanley Johnson goes to Arizona, has a good freshman year. Really, really good defender. Very physical defender. Not a great, I shouldn't even say not a great shooter. Not a very good shooter, but the kid could finish also. Mm-hmm. Then he gets to the NBA, and in his rookie year, that's the year 16 when he's defending LeBron. And here are the quotes after game two. When, Give them to me. I mean, the Cavs, the, the Cavs swept the Pistons, but I'm reading from Nick Fredell's piece on ESPN.com. This was after a 17-point loss in game two. Stanley Johnson about LeBron. I'm definitely in his head, that's for sure. LeBron was 12 for 18, scored 27, okay? Stanley Johnson, I could care less if I'm in his head or in his mind or anything like that. I'm just trying to play basketball. It's up to him how he wants to react to whatever he does. I think I'm in a good place. He had a great night. He's had a couple of great nights. He made a couple of tough-ass shots. He had two threes, which is not like his norm. He had a tough-ass turnaround on me and played really physical. I battled physical. He didn't get any paint touches. He made a bunch of tough shots. So he's going to have to go for 40 minutes and make some of those tough shots every game for them to do what they did tonight. According to ESPN Stats and Information, LeBron has scored 15 points on 7 of 9 shooting against Stanley Johnson as his primary defender in the series. <laughs> so then he's asked <laughs> about a moment in the first quarter when they, when they bumped each other. Stanley Johnson says, I don't know what y'all take from that. I don't take anything from it, but a cheap-ass shot, a cheap-ass bump, I don't know. <laughs> he's trash-talking oh, LeBron, and then, and then LeBron, you know. He says of LeBron, he jabbers. He moves his mouth sometimes. Their whole team does, kind of like their little cheerleaders on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) So so Stanley Johnson's talking, and I thought that would motivate him going into the offseason. And then Stanley Johnson hasn't done anything since except change teams. He's 
started with the Pistons, had his three and a half years there, was traded during his fourth year to the Pels, and now he's with the Raptors. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I had I'd heard an interview with uh, Van Gundy talking to um, Stan Van Gundy talking about Stanley Johnson as a defender a few years ago, and he said guys that are true lockdown defenders in this league they are so rare. Uh, there's just a couple of them that you can just say, all right, I'm going to put you on a guy and I don't have to worry about any help. And they said, Stanley Johnson is an excellent defender on the ball, man to man. He's not at that elite lockdown tier, but he's like right below it. But the problem is Van Gundy was having issues with him defensively in terms of the help stuff and understanding team concepts, which when you're playing for a Van Gundy team, you have to be smart and you have to learn that stuff and you have to be committed. It's not just about your own physical prowess because like Van Gundy said, there's maybe two or three guys in the league that are capable of just being that, a total lockdown Mm. guy. And then you combine what is always the case with guys in the league. Okay, we know he's athletic. We know he's strong. But if you're primarily a bench player, which he's been for the majority of his career, you have to be able to shoot the ball. And his three-point shooting numbers have been just atrocious and by the way you know his uh his numbers inside the three-point line uh sometimes haven't been haven't been at least consistent so uh you can see why stanley johnson then would 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 struggle to uh really make an impact now all right so coming up next i've got a detroit piston that i hit on and we'll find out where adam found his gem as he often does in the nba draft but first sports of course a screeching halt. But our friends at MyBookie aren't going to let you down. You can stay sane, stay entertained, access to your favorite games like Blackjack, Roulette, Slots, War. You can bet on war? And more. Doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to end with MyBookie. I wonder if they have Crazy 8s. Eden and I have been playing a lot of Crazy 8s. I wonder if I could place wagers and she's good i'm not i'm not letting her win either she's pretty good video poker it's not your thing but you still need a fix they've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online professional dealers at their table live on the site 24 7 so don't sweat it if your favorite team or sport in all sports is sidelined because of the covid19 pandemic my bookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the Wait. court nba 2k20 yeah bet on video games Bet on video games. Plus, you can always do your part to make your bankroll great again by taking advantage of shifting odds on political bets. Hmm. Can you bet on when the president's going to... Never mind. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. So visit mybookie.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D, on NBA. 150% 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. Promo code locked on NBA. 150% cash bonus on your first deposit. And you can claim those extra funds all the way up to 750 bucks. Promo code locked on NBA. Promo code locked on NBA at mybookie.ag. You spin, you win, you get paid. All right, so Adam, let's go to the guy that we hit on. Mm-hmm. And I thought coming out in college, I mean, I was still in college during the draft. He was the first round pick, 23rd overall, 2002, after a SEC player of the year season at Kentucky, and that was Tayshawn Prince. And he goes mm. 23 to the Pistons. 
I was thinking, this was before, well, oh, he's really long. And how good, so how great can he be? You know, long now is, if you're long, you're a top 10 pick. Deshaun Prince with a wingspan that was over seven feet and he was at, and he stood at six, nine, need arms for days. And the question coming out for him in college certainly wasn't defense. It's great defender was, would he be able to get his shot off in the NBA? So when he ended up with the Pistons around that team, sure. You're going to have some opportunities to get your shots off since a lot of the attention isn't going to be on you offensively. And I thought that right away, you could come into the league. If you've got a skill right away in the league, you can play defense. And, th- and that's what it was. That was his skill. You can play defense. And then during that rookie year, he didn't play much for Rick Carlisle at all. And I, I just I just found this out yesterday. He's yeah. the only player in NBA history. Because then he ended up having a big playoffs. Because he didn't play much in the NBA yes. in, in his rookie yeah. season. He's the only guy in NBA history to score more points in the playoffs than for an entire regular season. He scored more points that year in the playoffs than he did that entire regular season. The only guy. Only guy. Only guy. So uh, there are always questions. You remember this, like, is he going to put on any muscle? That was it. Yeah. And, and, and he did, but he was, uh, and he was healthy for, you know, his, the prime years of his career. He, he was playing all 82. And then Rick Carlisle left, Larry Brown came in, and he got much more of an opportunity. And it was interesting with Tayshaun because he was a Dominguez kid. So you always knew he was tough, but yeah, but there was there was there was always this this question, I think also just about the way he looks, that it wasn't taking it almost too seriously. Before that draft, Bill Simmons, I think, had said about Tayshaun, Tayshaun Prince, where is this guy gonna play in the NBA? Like, where is he going to play? And it's so funny because as you talk about how the league has shifted and those guys have been valued, these guys that are long and multi-positional, now that's all there is in the league is a bunch of guys. They want Everyone oh, yeah. wants a Tayshaun Prince. They want the next Tayshaun. And at the time, the thought was, where is a guy like that going to play? Um, for me, Noah, uh, the guy that I hit on, so <clears throat> I'm close with Don McLean, who works out guys over the summer. Mm-hmm. And Don had, had keyed me in on to him. So Donovan Mitchell. So he had just finished up his sophomore year at Louisville. And he was working out with, with Don's crew there, uh, the CAA group uh, down in Southern California. And Don started telling me, you won't believe Donovan Mitchell. He said, the kid's unbelievable. And I said, I saw Donovan Mitchell this year, and I knew he was a good athlete. But he didn't shoot it great. Seemed a little bit undersized if he was going to be a two at the next level, which is really what you expect. He didn't expect him to play on the ball. He said, I'm telling you, he's he's blowing me away. So I show up to the workouts, and within five minutes, I'm no, I could not believe it. And Don said to me, he goes, if this kid's two inches taller, he's the number one pick in the draft. It's incredible. You could see it right away. How quick he got his shot off. How explosive he was off the bounce. His handle was incredible and it was so tight. Like everything about his game was very efficient and professional. He worked out like a pro. And people talk about it, you know, and you and I have been around this game long enough to understand. People will say, Oh, it's if you go and see a kid at a workout, that doesn't really tell you what he's like on the basketball court. But workouts do tell you a lot. And one of the things I was shocked by when I saw the workout that he was in. And Jordan Bell's there and, and uh, John Collins. And oh, yeah. one of the Another things one of I guys. saw right away, yep. And, and one of the things I saw right away with him 
he was a leader among the group. So there's five guys doing drills, Emil Jefferson, I think. They're all working out, doing stuff together. And in the midst of it, he's encouraging his teammates. But in a way, that was just, he has this charisma that I, we all see now. We all get it with, with Spider Mitchell. But, but at the time, you didn't see that or know about it, I think, nationally. And his mom needed to be convinced to let him enter the NBA draft. She was so nervous about him coming out and not getting a high draft position. And Don had to like call her up and say, listen, you have to allow him to stay in the draft. This kid is incredible. He's got such a bright future. He needs to get some NBA coaching and training right away. And he was already playing for Rick Pitino. But I've never seen a guy in workouts who had a better sense of like pure leadership and other guys just gravitate to him where he could do that kind of encouraging, like, come on, fellas, we can hit these shots. I've seen a lot of guys try to do that and it comes off in a cheesy way and people don't take it seriously, but I had never seen that kind of leadership at that age. It was, it was truly remarkable to watch. I was convinced he was going to be a superstar and he reminded me a lot of Russell Westbrook in terms of like explosiveness and toughness and aggression, but yet also had this leadership, like kindness to him. And I was like, man, this is, this kid is going to be something else. I don't know what, what position he plays, what he looks like at the next level, but he is going to be terrific. Right. He was just, a guard kid could kid could play. So, so what were you doing during the 17 draft? You're just screaming at the television as he went all the way to 13. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we, and the thing to understand is Don McLean's job as the workout guy is to get a guy who's, let's say projected in the twenties and to move him up to the top 15, let's say. And then everyone makes money off of that. And obviously the kid, but then, the agency and, and everyone else. And, mm-hmm. and so that's the goal with all these guys. And I've seen it time and time again, where Don's guys move up and you're still shocked. So Mitchell was projected at the beginning of this process, like mid twenties, late first, you know, you're talking about, but I wouldn't say early second, but we're looking at a late first round pick. And then you start to see him show up higher and higher on draft boards. But as the process went along, there was no reason to think he shouldn't be there in the mix as a as a top three pick as far as I was concerned. I didn't think it was possible for someone to watch this kid work out and not feel that way. But if you recall during that draft, it was also the draft of everyone saying, well, it's Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and everyone else, which I didn't believe in at the time either. But I felt like there was a group of guys, maybe six or seven, in that 2017 class that could all go top six and I think you could feel really good about guys like Lowry Markinen, Darren Fox, Tatum. And, and I certainly would say that Mitchell should absolutely have been there. And I thought he should have been a top three pick. So yeah, as it was going, I'm like, I can't believe these teams. I can't believe these teams. And then when, when he went, it was like, okay, this is an absolute steal. And you look back at that draft and there are some tremendous steals. I mean, Bam Adebayo went 14th in that, mm-hmm. in that draft right behind him. So it tells you something, both those guys being all-stars this year. But Malik Monk, Malik Monk, that's who the Knicks should have taken, right? Should have been Malik Monk, <laughs> not Donovan Mitchell. And yeah, instead, they exactly. took Frank Nilakina. All right, coming up next in open gym, my daughter Eden, she's a star. And let's check in on how Adam's wife's feeling a few weeks from giving birth. All right, so let's start with that your wife. Mm-hmm. So, a few weeks away from giving birth. I saw the law yes. passed. We talked about it on the podcast last week, but the law was passed in New York. So fill me in on California about 
spouses are allowed in the delivery room. Yeah. So spouses are allowed in. No, no visitors outside of out of spouses. Right, right. But uh, but there was the thought in. that there weren't going to be spouses even allowed. And that was, that, and that was and scary to think about. Yeah, I mean, our, you know, my wife's physician had actually advised us of that and said that that looked like that that was coming. It was imminent. But now things have sorted to shift in that regard. I think because of what we saw in New York, there was crazy, um, like an uprising from people who said this is ridiculous. And actually, it was a lot of medical professionals, too, that I think also started petitions and really came to the forefront and said, look, the truth is that you're going to be connected here. So in other words, if your fear is that the spouse that comes to the, to, to the hospital uh, is going to, well, odds are that the woman in labor has it also because they're mm -hmm. connected. And if you're worried that, okay, it's another person that's coming to the hospital that can then also transmit it when they leave. Uh, well, again, same thing. You're connected with, with this, you know, with your wife, with your spouse. So, so that was really how, how things sort of shook out. And I think there's been this sort of shift in that mindset. So that fear has sort of gone away. And now we're just counting down the days. I mean, I think at this point, we're just going to wait this thing out and see when this, this baby girl comes. So we're looking at two weeks away. And then, and then uh, honestly, Noah, then it's going to be a whole new set of challenges. I mean, it's weird. My, you think? You know, well, <laughs> in addition to what you would normally expect, but I was just going to say like, my teenage daughters, though, my son, like they aren't going to be allowed to, to be there. So that part's going to be rough. We have to figure out what happens with all of them. When we go into the hospital, depending on timing, all that, I think the girls can, right. can watch my three-year-old. Uh, but I'm going to try to come back as much back and forth as, as much as I can, at least, you know, the first night. We'll try to keep the, the visit, the stay as short as possible. So there's some things going on there. And then the sleep, which followers, followers of the podcast know hasn't happened for us very often over the last three years with my son. Yeah, we don't expect that that's going to improve much once the uh, the infant comes. So we're excited. And then the next challenge is we got to come up with a name. So if any listeners have any names for baby girls, I'm sure we will gladly accept them. So are you working with a, a letter? Does it have to be a, a certain letter? No, it doesn't have to be a letter. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so in Judaism, oftentimes you, you choose mm -hmm. a letter of, someone in your family who's passed. Yeah. So ours was easy with E. We, we, we wanted an E. And there were only a few E names that we, that we liked for a girl and we landed on Eden. So, I, and I don't know how you choose a name without, like, without having at least a <laughs> yes. letter. I don't get it. And, and but one point. of the best pieces of advice I got, my buddy Scott, who's a, uh, who's a movie producer, he said, look at the credits of movies. And you guys watch a lot of movies. And just mm. you'll just you'll see a ton of names, and you'll also oh, see yeah. how names sound and look with last names. So maybe something yeah pops out. We've definitely done that. I will say this: we're probably down to like a list of five or six. What makes it tough? I also got great advice with a name which my mom gave me, and that is, don't share the name with people because their reaction to it. Oh, you don't want you don't change want your thought. So you don't, you do last thing you need is opinions. However, we include our, our, you know, our girls, Avery and Bella and too. So they've been involved in it. And so all of a sudden we get like, Oh, what about this name? And it's, Oh, I hit never. It can't be. Oh, I will no. say Hudson has come up with a name. He's pretty convinced. And he thinks this is going to be the name and really wants it to be the name. So there is a chance that her name will be Chewbacca. 
So just I was be say aware. Raspberry. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we told him, you know, sure, we can call her, we can call her Chewy or something. But you could go with the one to explain that. Look, Eden. Eden's a good name. Her middle name is Allie. A L L I E. You could go. You could go with that. And my, at one point, someone said okay. Noah. They said Noah as a as a girl's name. I didn't yeah, know Noah, how you N- would take that personally. Yeah, yeah. Noa. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, uh, and it's a very popular. It's a very popular Israeli name. Yeah, Noa. I'm gonna wait till I'm gonna wait till you pass till I till I go with that. Um, <laughs> Noah, speaking of, <laughs> wait, hold on. When I pass, you're gonna have another kid. <laughs> at this rate, who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, uh, transitioning now, you mentioned Eden. I do want to get to this real quick. So I'm hit up from an NBA friend of mine who listens to the podcast and uh, works in, in a front office. I get a text message from him and he sends me a screenshot of an article. And before I can read the article, I then read the, the, the text portion of the text. And he says, he says, Oh, so Noah is quoted in the New York Times and can't at least mention rejecting the screen. I know. So, I know. no, can you can you fill people in and what I was dealing with? And I'm sitting there insulted, like what? I, Noah didn't even. T- the bigger thing for me wasn't that you didn't mention the podcast, but you you didn't tell me that you're in the New York Times. So, well, can, can you fill me in on what happened? Well, now? I didn't know the story was out yet, and you so alerted me, the me to what the fact happened? that the story what was happened? out yet. I mean, I wouldn't tell you that I was in a movie until I saw the movie and that i made the cut i don't know i've i've taken i would people out of stories <laughs> before so anyway i get a uh, i get a tweet from a writer allison Kruger, for the new york times the other day hey can you um can you reach out can you email me here's my email address i want to talk to you about a story so i email her and she said she had seen a picture or something or a video of eden at the park just in front of like this empty wall and we were playing wall ball or I think we were scooting around and she said, I'm doing a story on what you do outside now and with wall sports during this pandemic. Can we talk? And I said, sure. You know, I, and I, I said, I'd left New York city. I've been, I've been gone there for a week because she had asked, could we send a photographer out with you the next time you go? Then I would have told you I'm going to be in the New York times because they went to just send a <laughs> photographer. Out. And I said, you know, no, unfortunately I'm not there, et cetera. So so I tell her all the things that we were doing at the, at the park, just with the wall. And she asked how old I was, what I do. And I said, I host a podcast, Rejecting the Screen, broadcaster for a few other networks. Mm-hmm. And so she went with freelance sportscaster. What can I do? I mean, if I had just said, if I had just said, I'm the host of, I could have, I guess I could have said, I'm the host of Rejecting the Screen. And just left it out there to, for her to assume that everybody who reads the Times knows what that is. <laughs> and I guess I should, I really do guess I should have done that. Maybe I can get the Times to make a, cor- a correction. Oh, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> correction, we didn't fill you in that this guy actually has a podcast. Hey, cor- cor- so correction, right, right, under, right underneath. React to being oh, she was pumped. Yeah, I told her. Um, I said, uh, here's your name in the newspaper. Here's your name in the Times. It's the, it's the most famous newspaper in the whole world. And here's your name. And then she said, and is your name in it too? I said, yeah, this is because she was next to me when I was on the phone call with the reporter. Mm. And, and she said, is mom's name in it? And I said, no, actually, 
And but I mentioned Marissa's name and I spelled it and everything and said sure. what she did. And Eden kind of gave me a look and shrugged her shoulders like, huh, too bad for her. <laughs> <laughs> and then this morning I was explaining to Eden what short end of the stick meant because Marissa Ooh. used that phrase. And I said, it's not like I didn't mention your name or told her, hey, you know, my wife wasn't really involved. You know, but she did say, Eden, <laughs> the, she said, you know, we left because someone else was coming to the wall to use it. We actually left, and I told I told her this, the reporter this too, and I said, the reason we left mostly was because this woman who came to use the other half of the wall was smoking a cigarette, and Eden said, we should leave. She's smoking a cigarette. That's disgusting. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's you know multi multitude of reasons. Yeah. So that's that. Oh, did you, real quick, did you play wall ball as a kid? Elementary school, I did. Right. So I you throw the ball, ball, you have like 10 people, you throw the ball against the wall and mm -hmm. a tennis ball. And if the person doesn't field it cleanly, they've yes. got to then run to the wall before another person picks it up and either pegs them with it or hits yes. the wall. Yeah. So I explained yes. this to, and now I wasn't playing wall ball with my five-year-old daughter. I wasn't <laughs> pegging her with it. And, I, and it's not like a game that I play now because at 38 years old, I don't feel like being pegged by a tennis ball. But I was explaining this game to Allison, the reporter, who was only two years young. I asked her how old she was. She's only like two or three years younger, but she had never heard of wall ball, which I was pretty surprised. I thought it was a ubiquitous game. Anyway, oh, that's that. Interesting. Eden's a star. Didn't, didn't Eden's know. a star. I, Mar Marissa's oh. not. <laughs> yes, Marissa got the short end of the stick. Hey, Noah, uh, two things for you I want to throw out. Our good friend Trisha mm. uh, became a grandmother again. So, what? She's uh, a grandmother? Yes. 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 Oh, I, know. I had her. I had her. Trisha, you would never think so. She looks Well, young. I had her She's pegged beautiful. for like 26. No, no. Trisha. Oh. Uh, but, oh. but, um, Crew Michael, born on uh, March 14th. So congratulations to Trisha. And then another listener of the podcast, Chris Copas, who we had talked about before, has, has been battling cancer and, and really has been listening to the podcast and has told me, and I've told you, uh, this is, has been help to him and, and, and a way for him to laugh and, and enjoy it. Um, he's back again with radiation treatments. And, and I'm thinking about Chris and all the people too, I want to point out, who, you know, I talk about the stuff with, with my wife and going into the hospital, how scary that is. I just want to put good vibes out there for all people in hospitals right now who can't get visited by people or are going through treatments and dealing with issues because of everything going on. And so obviously just wanted to say uh, congrats to Trish and, and thinking about the, the people like Chris who are dealing with stuff and we're thinking about you. Yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. I've been reading, I can't stop reading coronavirus stories uh, about people who have passed away and and what the doctors are dealing with and and mm. I do this I don't know why I do it but I but I do I do this all the time when when there are tragedies of any magnitude I'm just reading about the people that lost their lives and how their families deal with it I don't I don't know why I do and and maybe it's maybe it stems from the fact that for years and it's it's dissipated a bit now for years more than once a month I had a dream about my own funeral for years, years. And and now it's wow. like every, I'd say probably every six weeks or two months, like at some point while really? I'm sleeping, at some point while I'm sleeping, some frame in my head is a scene of my funeral. It, 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 always, it always happens. So I, so I don't know. So, may, so maybe 
maybe it's maybe it's related, but I cannot imagine a family or an individual going through this alone and and not being able to have the emotional support right next to them to try to help them fight. And, uh, and it, it's, it is, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So we're thinking about everybody and hope that, hope that we can give you a laugh, a smile, something, something to ease the pain just emotionally for a bit. All right. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Naismith lives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V rejecting the screen locked on podcast network every Tuesday and Thursday, Chad Ford's back. The Chad Ford mm-hmm. big board. Chad Ford is back. He's been in Hawaii forever. He's always been in Hawaii, but the, the former ESPN NBA draft expert, he's back. He's going to have a podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Also, Hollinger and Duncan. Locked On NBA, still five days a week. And Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd. I would I would have liked to get it in on, gotten in on like the all-time fantasy team and picking out different seasons. I just, I just simply don't have the time to do that. I would, I would love to have done it, but it's either choosing between that or teaching phonics and math to Eden. And I'm going to choose teaching phonics and math to my kindergarten daughter while she's out of school. But also your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up Thursday, going ISO with Eddie Johnson. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.